0: we're going to be talking about Chicana Punk Moms. We're excited to have two special guests with us today, uh, Cecilia Brennan and Tori Quiñones. I've been lucky to have Ceci as a friend for how many years, Ceci? I don't know, 18? 20? (laughs) A long time. And these two have been uh, friends in the movement and, and, and friendship and love for a long time as well. So... We will be um, lucky to to hear their stories and um, hear more about their experiences. But I wanted to introduce you all to our guests today. So Cecilia Brennan uh, is a mom, an activist, an organizer, and now attorney. She can share a little bit about that journey um, in her conversation. And we have Tori Quiñones, who's a mama, an information activist, and also an academic librarian. So a breadth of experience and knowledge that we have here today. Um they have some special dedications that they want to share with us today so we'll start there and and then take it from there. Thanks for having us you guys.
1: We're so excited to be here. Um thank you. We wanted to dedicate this show to our abuelitas, abuelas who pretty much were the first kind of punk rock feminists that we knew although obviously they wouldn't have said that at the time and we can explain more about why we would say that later. But um, my grandma would have been 100 on Saturday, so we celebrated her, and I want to dedicate this to her. And,
2: And yeah, my grandma Hopi is still alive and kicking, and she is one of the most inspirational people in my life, and I uh, want to dedicate this to her and to all amazing
0: abuelas. All right, so today we're going to do something a little bit different on our episode. We're going to have um, Ceci and Tori have a conversation, almost like interviewing each other, and to share a little bit about their experience, um, and also to to share with us how a punk rock ethics and a do-it-yourself, a (laughs) DIY ethics, shapes their mothering, their activist lives, and their journey here today. So maybe we can just first start with how you all met each other, Mm -hmm. and then take it away. Thank you.
1: Go ahead, Tori. <laughs> oh, I get to start?
2: Okay. Um, well, uh, thank you, Michelle and Ceci, for having us. This is a really exciting, and I feel really honored to be on this show. Um, so, uh, Cecilia Brennan, or a.k.a. Ceci, or Ceci, I might refer to her as CC just <laughs> That's to, <great>. just <laughs> to um, differentiate. Um, Ceci and I actually uh, met through punk rock, um, in the mid '90s, we were—I was 19, and she was a few years older than that. <laughs> I think she had just finished college, um, and both of us were really sort of entrenched in our our punk rock scenes. Uh, she in LA, and and me in San Diego. Um, and I didn't know um, very many Chicana's who were into punk rock, and I met. Uh, one, our mutual friend Maribel, Bell, who I she just has gone on to be such a, 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 an amazing um, inspiration in my life, um, and actually met CC through Mari at a punk show, um, and we were all super excited to meet each
1: other, and we knew we were going to be um, best friends for a long time. Yes. That's how I remember it. Although I do remember we met in the bathroom. Maribel was wearing I remember that. <laughs> Maribel was wearing a giant cowboy hat. Um <laughs> and, not me. And yeah, she had she had braids, and I met her first through another friend and then met Tori. And I was like, Yeah, I want, I want to be your friend. Mm. And then I would just come down from, from LA to visit and go to shows. And then um another Really cool thing that was happening then that maybe Tori can talk about a little was a group of women, a lot of women of color that were doing Ochui Media, um, and I came to a couple of their events and it was really. There's been a lot of talk about sort of the San Diego underground indie scene and punk rock uh, music and whatnot, and um, there isn't too much documented about Ochui Media, so hopefully that'll change. But that was really inspirational for me, and yeah, did you want to? a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, sure. So Otwi Mevia was um, sort of a a loosely gathered um, group of young women um, who were all sort of somehow affiliated with punk rock in San Diego. Um, We were inspired by, uh, I mean, a few things. I think that sort of consciousness raising practices of um, second generation feminism. And, you know, there was also, you know, in that maybe the decade before that, sort of um, the emergence of, of Riot Girl, which um, was a, a punk rock uh, movement that's you know been described as you know the, the third wave, um, and it was very much um, it was a hu- hugely influential um, thing for many people, um, not just punks. Um, and I know that several of us who were involved in Ochoe Media, sort of as you know as much as we respected riot girl, couldn't really connect with it because um, there weren't a lot of people of color involved. So um, O Chui Mevia was kind of a breath of fresh air for us because um, there happened to be um, quite a few women of color involved um, in our group. And we put on events and um, created community that way. Um, many of us are still really close friends. Um, Still active in you know various radical movements, social justice movements um, and there was I was involved in a project um, trying to document <laughs> uh, the history of owi media and um, as sort of the informal archivist I have I have all of all of the history I have a lot of um, oral histories um, and sort of all of our founding documents uh, but Uh, life has sort of intervened, and I'm sort of uh, waiting for my opportunity, I guess, to um, sort of bring the history of Otui Media into, um, into I guess, a more visible, a visible place within, uh, you know, the San Diego
1: subculture history. (laughs) Yes.
0: Awesome. That would be awesome.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to, um, I just wanted to bring out the, a little bit about Ochi cause that was a big deal for, you know, I feel in my memory of our friendship and just what was going on in San Diego sure. compared to the, some of the stuff going on in, in LA at the time. Um, but yeah, so that's how we met. We met at a show and we stayed friends and then I would just try to come down here and, we're in San Diego right now, everybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that's right. Yeah. So our friendship has been very, uh, well, I want to say Southern California centric, but you know, you were in the Bay for a while. I was in the Bay. Um, we have lived together, uh, through at various times with our children, um, which I think is important to say because that we'll talk a, a bit about this later, but that's part of our sort of punk ethic is, you know, like creating your community and, you know, living with your community um and you know being there for your friends when they have kids I think is a really important part of that so um I was able to do that for CC, and she was able to do that for me she and her daughter were able to do that for me when when my daughter was first born so that's pretty punk I think it's
0: <laughs> totally punk maybe we can start there too with um like a Description or an explanation of what does what Chicana punk mean for you both? Being a Chicana punk or that term?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, so it's meant a few different things to me. Um, when, when I was, when I first started identifying as a Chicana punk um, or as a punk at all, um, it just meant that I was politicized in ways that the punks around me were not right. So, we came, or I'll speak for myself. I came up in a punk scene that was that was really white, um, and so that you know was really alienating. But at the same time, the uh, sort of mainstream culture around me was also extremely alienating for me as a um, as a woman, as um, you know, a person of color. So, that political part I think um, is really important. Um, having an awareness of, of cultural and social difference made me an outsider to the outsiders, if you will. Um, uh, so that's why it was so meaningful to me to meet um, other Chicana punks. I mean, I I knew I knew uh, other punks of color, a few other punks of color um, in my scene, but um, they were they were men, um, and that was sort of a it was it was sort of harder harder to connect on th- uh, things like, you know, feminism that were super important to me and to my politics. So um, yeah, Cece, you can, jump, you can jump in with sort of what yeah. what your take
1: on it. Well, the the term punk rock for me started in high school when I hung out with people and we would just use it as like our highest form of flattery and adjective mm-hmm. um, as an adjective because to us it didn't like I was saying earlier when I was talking about my abuelita, like it didn't mean being into a certain kind of music for us it just meant having it having that kind of ethic of yes diy which of course we know is like a very very um hyper used term now just in mainstream culture but back then it really wasn't so we really really about like my grandma had her own garden an urban garden before people were really doing that or she would just she was a feminist in that she you know raised four kids basically as a single mom after her after her husband died and just would do things like she broke up a fight in the middle of the street she just didn't she didn't she did what was right um and what was good no matter who was what pressure came down on her in other directions so i feel like for punk rock for for me was definitely like okay that's basically like if i can say this badass that's just um, badass you can totally like, say that okay yeah. <laughs> so it just meant and then as that developed like when i started M- m- um, bringing music into that and le- listening to all these different bands. And actually some of the bands that originally influenced me the most were actually, you know, some Anglo bands, um, that had great politics. One happened to be named the Minutemen, unfortunately now, yeah. but, oh my God. <laughs> but the band itself was, uh, was amazing and anti-imperialist, anti-colonialist in their, in their, um, lyrics and just had, just mind blowing yeah. politics when I was in high school um, also, the band you've heard probably some more mainstream songs by them, maybe, but Chumbawamba coming out of kind of like the English anarcho punk scene. All those bands influenced me in terms of politics, bringing politics into um, into music. So, um, so, and then that became also again, like I was saying, an adjective for me to describe things that I believed were really good and and righteous and defiant and. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of rambling on that a little bit, but um, but yeah, punk rock to me was was an adjective that meant you you know you you care about your friends, you keep your community close, but you're also doing what is right and you're doing what is just. And um, it was the first time that you know I got exposed to social justice in music, where you know our parents maybe or other generations had folk music and other types of music that had. A political consciousness for me it was punk rock definitely and then coming from LA I was you know gr- grew up mostly in LA there's a huge history of people of color and punk rock and so we had that there in LA and then learning more about even some of the more newer bands that came out sorry sorry librarians in the at the table <laughs> more new bands um, <laughs> that were coming up kind of in a like a later kind of hardcore scene that were all Latino and learning more about all these other bands. And then that just spoke to me so much. And that was sort of also part of when Tori and I were meeting, we started just getting involved in all this other music that was mostly people of color in yeah. punk.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that 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 later era, I think, was also really like transformative for me because the the music wasn't actually what I was attracted to. Like I wasn't really into like sort of the hardcore, you know, like version of the, the music that all these all these um, Latino punks um, were playing, but the fact that we were creating our own culture, I think that was the most important part to me is that it was this very recognizable outsider culture that wasn't sort of relying on uh, an, an outsider's like definition of who we were and what we were doing, right? Um, and I know that just... I, I guess I would sort of throw out like creating your own culture as you know an, another aspect of, of the punk ethic, um, like m- making zines, um, putting on shows, just sort of making your own, making your own life. <laughs> um, that was that was really big to us yep. and remains so. For
3: sure. And thank you for sharing. So this is the other sessie, the yeah. Chicana motherwork sesi. Um <laughs> So yes, thank you both for kind of like sharing the politics behind, you know, giganapunk Punk and the ethics and like DIY and um, create your own culture and politics. And I think what I'm really interested in is like, um, so you both, you know, met and then um, had a, a set of experiences or like over time, you know, developed your politics even more. So then already having that kind of base. So then how did mothering, or becoming moms in form, or what, how did it change your, um, how you viewed Chicana Punk, um, and also your activism?
2: I'll let you start because you became a mom before I did.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, with the activism question, the, um, are you saying activism, how did activism inform being a mom or how did punk rock inform activism or all of it?
3: Or... Well, I was thinking, like, how did being a mom affect those two?
1: Okay, okay, thank you. I had it in reverse. Yes, um, becoming a mom, as everyone around this table knows, is pretty mind-blowing and one of the most powerful and special things that that happened to me. Um, uh, The way that it affected getting into, you know, sort of my punk rock identity, it, it really just made it stronger in that I have a little girl, and to me, because punk rock was so much about being, you know who you are and 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 being defiant and fighting back against things that are that are wrong, and um, really sticking up for the little guy really, and sticking up for the misfits and just being a good person, trying to articulate that to a little kid is 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 really special. And then hearing them learn from that. So she, my daughter, her name is Anais. She's seven now. And actually, on the way up here, she told me in the car that, mommy, I stick up for everybody. When when people are mean at school, I stick up for everybody. And she just brought that up out of the blue. And that was something I was really proud of, because I feel, you know, we've talked a lot about little kids can be, you know, how they are kids. But um, I feel like those different ethics of that and also making our own our own stuff and living in community and the things that Tori was talking about, those things also just go into motherhood and really have impacted, um, you know, me being a mom and being proud to have a child around these communities that were that were familiar with and that we've created. Just having kids around, it's like the whole, all these generations it's it's really really special. So, in terms of activism, I mean just being a mom and getting just more, I guess, like silverback about the world (laughs) and how things are going to affect her and her generation and all of these other littles, like it makes me, in terms of activism, it makes me even more fired up, I feel. Um, Now that's different from the practical reality of being able to do something um, every day, like maybe I used to, but um, yeah, time is limited. Time is limited when you, obviously when you're parenting, but but yeah, what about you, Tori?
2: Yeah, I would echo all of those. Oh, <laughs> I would echo um, sort of all of those points. It's it's been interesting uh, to me because my daughter is younger; she's two and a half. Her name is Ines. Um and so really the way the way I've sort of um, the way I've sort of seen um, my ethic or my politics inform. My motherhood is, you know, similar, especially since I'm, uh, I have a daughter. I know I had a lot of, I had a lot of fear <laughs> um, about raising a daughter. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's hard to talk about without getting emotional because it was, um, it was such an incredible fear when I was pregnant with her, and I didn't, I didn't know, um, I didn't know her gender when um, I was pregnant with her, and you know, I, I still don't. Um, but uh, she, um, she's also made me just sort of more pissed and more protective and more determined to bring joy and sort of a, a, an, ethic, an ethic of loyalty and fierceness into our everyday, you know, yes. to just, you know, protect life and protect our community and just protect other people, you know. Um, And as far as activism, you know, I'm an academic librarian. I'm an instruction librarian. So I, you know, I do a lot of teaching uh, mostly uh, around information literacy and research. Um, And a lot of the students that I work with are um, they're, they're young, they're first year students. Um, Many of them uh, at my institution are you know first the first in their families to go to college many of them are people of color and um i looked at them differently after i became a mother you know like i would look into their faces yeah. and think like you're somebody's child
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know um and they became more precious to me um and so i've been thinking a lot about how i bring you know what um you know feminist pedagogical theorists call, you know, like the feminist ethic of care into my, into my work, into my teaching. Um, and, uh, that's, that's comes directly from, from parenting my own child and just growing a new kind of, growing a new kind of, of, of love, not just for my daughter, but for, for everyone, for the world, for, <laughs> for humanity, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a big, big change and I also feel like an adult now for the first time in my life <laughs> but that's kind of tangential. <laughs> okay.
0: well do you want to talk a little bit about um, the organization or the work that you're doing around solidarity and maybe that's some, one of the manifestations of this ethics that has shaped your mothering and then you're drawing it drawing in the young people to think about the world in this way so you want to talk about the origins and what you've done go ahead
2: uh, well, I'm trying to sort of think of how it began, well, like a lot of things in our life, um, a lot of uh, a lot of things began <laughs> and ended um, after the um, the presidential election in 2016. Um, and we um, you know, as activists, as mothers, as you know human beings engaged with the world, we're sort of looking for, um, a way to respond, to fight back, you know? And, um, it was, I mean, it really came, it came from CC. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I think that you, I think that you should sort of describe what you were, what you were sort of motivated by when you brought this idea to me.
1: We, um, we didn't have a name for it yet, but I was sitting with my friend, Amanda, who's also was also into punk rock and also is Chicana and is a math professor. So you need to have her on next time. Um, Amanda is amazing. And so we were just talking about, she also has a daughter. We were talking about everything that the election implicated and, our kind of just rage and everything else that was happening right after. But we said that our kids already had been exposed to our fears and our just all this negative energy for the last almost two years mm-hmm. leading up. And then it finally went the way it did. They're like, why did the bully win? And what how their minds were blown just as much as ours were in right. a sense. So but we wanted to do something that wasn't just um for, you know, to express our are being so upset and, and disgusted but we wanted a day of just kids to be able to be kids again after all of this long time of have of being exposed to this neg- negative energy so we just decided we were going to do a day of play just getting kids to, like in a kind of a you know the revolutionary act of of playing and being together and just kind of breaking down those barriers that we all have and our both of our kids go to the same school which is a 100% Spanish um, immersion uh, elementary school. And there it's a really diverse campus, and there's just a lot of things going on there just like there were in other places. And we decided let's, let's do a day of play for kids, but then expand it to something that we can keep going where we can focus on these little people and make sure they know that it's okay and it's safe and that we're all going to rely on each other. And then so I started talking to other moms, our friend Eve as well, and of course Tori. And then we just ended up, pulling it off we did a whole day of play at the park and had it was pretty fun right Games it was and- it
2: was super fun and I also think a really important aspect of it was that like children were able to be around adults who were happy <laughs> and joyful <laughs> and relaxed yeah. and focusing on like community and being with their kids and you know being with each other and I, I know that for me after the sort of after the lead up to that election and sort of all of the depression that, um, I fell into afterward. That was, a, that was just such a positive thing to happen. Um, and we said, you, do you also want me to mention the zine? Yes. Yeah. Please. So <laughs> not long after that, we, um, we were working together. Cece and I often c- co-work, um, from cafes <laughs> and, uh, we were at a local cafe in Encinitas, and um, there was an art exhibit um, by a local artist. Um, it was all these amazing, rad, childlike drawings. Um, and we were super into them. And oh, I think it was your birthday. And I yeah. bought you some prints yeah. for your birthday. Yep. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, and, uh, and I think that's where we got the idea. We were just like, we should make a zine. Right. So, a zine, for those of you who don't know, um, is a, a self-published publication, and um, has roots re- roots that actually go really far back into actually like the I think the the 50s with um, science fiction fans who would make their own fan fiction and publish them in zines, um, and they were a really big thing in in punk rock, um, and continued to be a big thing in Riot Girl, and I think there's kind of been a resurgence um, in the popularity of zines, which is awesome because, you know, they're like just these paper things, you know, that people can actually like touch and take with them and interact with and send in the mail or pick up at a cafe, right? It's not like something that is on a computer screen. So um, we had an idea to create a zine for children (laughs) about, um, about a lot of things, but the sort of the main thing was that, you know, the world um, is sort of always full of confusing and scary things um, and that that adults are always dealing with. Um, but that adults were also, you know, working really hard to make the world a better place for children. Um, And not just your parents, not just the adults in your own community, but there are people all over the world, right? Who are fighting to make the world a better place. And that was the message that we wanted to get um, out to children um, in in this sort of weird historical time. So um, that is something we are still working on and we are hoping to publish very soon. Yep. And
3: What is the name of your scene?
2: (laughs) Do we have a title yet? Are we, we calling it
1: Solidarity? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we don't have a
3: title yet. And are you? Um, so it sounds like you've already have a community groups of parents and kids interested. So are you drawing the submissions just from this group, or will, are you envisioning like soliciting um, submissions on a larger scale, or or it's just still kind of the project's still forming
2: that's a good question that's okay. exciting actually because I think we did have we do have the intention of making making more this first one is one that we we CC and I worked on together with um, with our friend Brianna Spencer the artist um, but I think that solidarity which is <laughs> the name our friend char gave to our children and families movement um, Thank you char okay. um, is definitely something that we you know, we want it to be community building. So I think that it's definitely something that we'd like to continue making a series of zines and um, solicit contributions. So um, I think we should definitely keep you posted about <laughs> about that because it would be awesome to get um, a collaboration going.
1: Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: And I was thinking about like when you were describing the, the play date, you know, um, and I think this is a good resource or a good strategy to, to, for other parents and mothers to think about, like, how do we build community and you know, and play as a radical act is, is a powerful statement. Um, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about how how does it not become just simply, you know, a play date? You know, that's like what has that's how children interact now. Like, parents call each other and they're like, oh, let's do a play date. When we get three o'clock and blah 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 um and you know, so how do you differentiate that afternoon or those moments i mean are there you know signage is there signage is are they doing activities that are you know a, not just simply about like go run around i mean which is important mm-hmm. but i mean are, is there a consciousness building that's part of this you know moment or whatever so you want to talk a little bit about that
1: i think at that time it was it was just very fluid and kind of loose and um we we basically Worked with our kids. It was the four of us. I think we did. We made our own banner with the projector, which is very just um, DIY. Yeah, DIY, <laughs> and kind of goes back to our all of our organizing and, and punk rock ways. And um, we could have screened our own shirts, but we just didn't have time. Um, but we did. The kids drew out the all the different signs. We had different stations. We had a big tent that was the reading and relaxation station. We had a lemonade station, and then we had – the whole goal was to also not really have – it wasn't about commerce, so everything – I think we all brought donations of food. Mm-hmm. Like our, we brought food and yeah. basically didn't charge for it is we what encourage I meant. Encouraged people
2: to bring food to share. Yeah,
1: so they had little sandwich-making stands and stuff. But we didn't, um, we didn't really – in terms of your question, Michelle, we didn't really have a set-out plan in terms of what, where to take it. We just knew that we needed – something that was informal and that would gather people from. Yes, ma'am.
2: I'm sorry. I just wanted to make yes. sure you mentioned the pen pal booth.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs>
0: sounds awesome. Pen pal
1: booth. So I'm a huge fan of written letters and met so many of my friends through being pen pals, this includes a lot of the people in the punk scene that were from like New York, especially in the Latino bands, like New York, Chicago, and all these different bands. I would just write letters to be, hey, I, I've heard your, you know, this seven inch or whatever, and I want to be your friend. And I want to, like, it would just, and and it would work. And I think a lot of us still write letters to each other. Um, but what, what we did was we set up a table and we had um, we had envelopes and Wonder Woman stamps um, and Ella Fitzgerald stamps. And you could, you t- Basically got an envelope, the kids would get an envelope, write their address and name on that envelope and stamp it and then trade with another kid. So then we ended up doing pen pals that way. So Anais found three pen pals that she's already exchanged with that day. Um, Ines was too little to do it but that was just it was just it was great so
2: she writes notes to Anais almost every day I love it so we've we've trained her to yes. write letters Yay, yeah good and I just I love how because like you said so many of our relationships as young punks is through letter writing right like writing to people whose zine you found mm-hmm. you know in like a cafe in some city that you don't live in you know like I, I just I, I thought that was that was just a great way of sort of promoting the ethic and then like training the young to yes. have their own <laughs> their own practice.
1: yeah. We also had um button making, so we had a button maker there, you know, pins, buttons, or people used to call them badges, but um, yeah, the kids, so then kind of you know, we bring in our own like agit prop that we the kids know they can make it. it. looks really cool and it spreads a message or it's just something really lovely that they want to share and make
3: for free yeah <laughs> i mean i love this idea i think um i'm already seeing how um maybe Chicanema, the mother can do something similar in la or arizona um where michelle lives and um and so i love this idea and i think you know as we were talking about earlier like play as rad- play as a radical act or play as something that's political and i think um Maybe it's more like this might depend on what space or regional, but I think um, often what happens with like organizing is that um, often what happens is that um, in many ways, parents and families and kids can be like excluded from spaces or, you know, it's just like a call, you know, if there's a meeting or something, it's just like, oh, you know, kids welcome. But then it's like you bring the kids there and then there's like nothing for them to do or like. Yeah, no. Uh well some groups do. So it's like some groups are trying and and there should be more of that in in my opinion and and other spaces are all spaces actually to be like really inclusive of like families and kids and especially moms because the labor always seems to fall on moms, right? Yeah. But um and it makes me think of this quote from an article that I read and I always think of it and it says um children's noise is the sound of our movement growing. Oh, and nice. so I love that idea. It's like you're passing on, you know, uh, the ethics that you've had of like writing letters or making buttons or like sharing a communal meal. Like we all work together. Um, and then it makes me, and then the discussion of the, um, zines or other kinds of like, um, um, other, other kinds of ways to like access these kinds of like knowledges cause it's outside the mainstream. Right. So, um, it makes me think, and we mentioned this right before we recorded the book, Rad Dad that just came out, but it actually came from the Zine, the Rad Dad Zine, right. and um, so now a book just came out, and so I'm I'm reading through it now, and it's so I love everything they're saying, like how to raise like anarchist babies and like communal houses. It's like <laughs> some of them are talking about or transparenting or um, you know uh, feminist parenting, like sex positive parenting, and uh, for you know mostly primarily people of color. So. Um, And there's one thing the editor writes where he says, um, becoming a parent can be the most radical thing that can happen to you. And I know this is also kind of echoes what you both were saying earlier, like when you became parents or mothers, that's even more so it kind of like intensified the way that you both are engaging with like, um, you know, punk or like uh, your politics and how that relates to um, raising a child. So are there other, um, so the zine, like, I love this idea, so I definitely want to keep an eye out. And then my son's seven, so I'm sure he would love to like, in the future, if this grows, to contribute something. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and is there like, so the, so it sounds like different kinds of projects like the zine and then like the play day. Um, so what other things are you envisioning with like a similar kind of like gigana punk mom kind of ethics? That's
1: a good question, yeah.
2: I mean, I, like when I think about like my, my ideal, you know, like radical mom community, I think about, you know, I think about like seeing my friends, you know, like at least once a week Mm -hmm. to, you know, like raise our consciousness and talk about being moms and just like kick it together. You know? Um, I also, I also just think like more, um, events that are not quite events they're just sort of families coming together you know like I don't know about UCC but I know that when I was younger like I loved um like anarchist picnics mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. we play like soccer and you know like bring food and just like hang out together all day and sometimes that was like you know like the one time all year where you'd see like people in your community like all these different sort of parts of your community like all coming together and you'd find out about it through friends or there'd be like a flyer at the you know like Chi cafe or something um and i i just think more of that is needed in in everybody's life these days right um just sort of more community building in in person so i, I mean that's that's an idea
1: yeah for sure
0: you know, and I was thinking about um, when you all were talking um, about this book that came out a couple of years ago by um, and is published by PM Press, uh, Don't Leave Your Friends Behind. Have you all seen that one? Yeah, but written by Victoria Law and China Martin. So I think that's another good tool for our listeners if you want to, you know, read more about some ideas that you can share with your friends who are non-parents and, and so we can think about ways to, to include parents in social movements and, and organizing meetings so that we're not just, like, you know having these intense meetings and then like kids are just pushed to the side basically you know and I love the idea of pen pals but for the record Ceci you've never written me a letter (laughs) but you've made me a lot of CDs and when my daughter was born I still listen to it the very first CD when she first came out that you made for her so that's really special and I want to sort of you know before before we start wrapping up I want to go back to that music a little bit you know um because you talked about this moment where there were um, several POC or Latino, Latina, Chicana, Chicano um, punk bands that sort of shaped or differently um, shaped who you all were in terms of identifying as punks, you know? So maybe you might want to talk a little bit about those bands specifically, and then, you know, maybe we can, you know, share some of their, their music. We're hoping to with this episode um have a blog and include a playlist so that folk, folks can can hear some of this music so maybe talk a little bit about that and also we'll have probably links to more resources to get more information definitely um what
1: i feel one of the in the more like recent sort of hardcore history would be a good resource is um a film by martin sorrendegui the singer of los crudos and he did a film called Masaya de los Gritos um, that was about kind of like the history of Chicano Latino punk, both in Latin America and the US. And that'd be a really good place for people to start to hear about a lot of the bands because we can rattle them off, but you won't be able to have that experience. <laughs> but you know, back in the mid, early, mid 90s, there was, you know, Los Crudos, Huasipongo, Contraataque, Traguetelo, just several bands that kept. the list goes on and on and a lot of the music was actually the lyrics were actually in Spanish um and really pretty powerful mostly very you know all those bands at least the ones we listened to were very political um in terms of being defiant and and enraged with the you know then it was it was George Bush and and even Clinton and then Um, we had in California, all of these horrible propositions, Mm -hmm. 187, 227, 209, and just so much was going on then, which still is, uh, you know, policy wise and and whatnot and presidential wise and whatever is just, there's just a lot to be pissed about. Um, so, Mm -hmm. There was, so Más de los Gritos, I would recommend for people to, to see and hear about other, other bands and kind of see a little bit about what the scene was then. But before then, I mean, like I was saying in LA, there's a whole history of people of color and a lot of Latinos doing punk rock. So, you know, you have um, the, the Brat, the Bags, the Zeros, who were also partly from San Diego, the Plugs. Yeah. Um, and then you have, of course, Alice Bag from the Bags. It's been, she's been doing a lot of great, Uh, music lately and she has two books out now I think or maybe three Um, and the list goes on I mean there's there's bands that have influenced us especially uh, women of color punk bands that we will also of course put on hopefully on the blog Um, one of those the best band for me you know when I was younger was a band that was started by a Somali and British young woman um, who became known as polystyrene and her band was called the X-Ray Specs. She has passed away. So rest in peace, but that band was pretty formative for a lot of us in yeah, seeing a woman sure. of color in England that was 19 years old. Um, yeah. I feel like go ahead, Tori. Any? I don't know any new ones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You said all the ones that I am thinking of. Oh, there's um, there's a band that I love right now. Um, that are they're super political. They were on Democracy Now actually and they played a, their punk set on Democracy Now. Um they're called Downtown Boys and this um they have this amazing um Chicana singer. So, we'll um we'll get a whole playlist for awesome. your listeners uh,
0: that's, <laughs> together. going to be super awesome. Um well, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure we share with the listeners when I mean, we've talked about so many things? Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. But Ceci, Chicana kind of work, Ceci, do you have any other mm-hmm. questions?
1: Or, yeah, any, yeah, just anything
0: else you would like to add?
1: I feel um, I would like to just remind everybody. Like, So right after the election, uh, Tori and I took our kids to a Los Crudos show in L.A., and we were almost not going to go because we were all in despair. And we were like, come on, we got to go to this. Um, and Martine on stage said some things that just made us so happy. And it was basically, you know, don't despair. Keep doing the stuff we've been doing. Keep being punk rock. Keep being pissed off. This, there was no, None of the other presidents were ever our presidents either. Right. And so it's just to continue in your in your daily life to remember how you build community and create these experiences for our kids and our families that are joyful and happy and still pissed and resistant. And I keep saying defiant. I'm using that too much. But, um, you know, and but doesn't we don't we're not going to capitulate ever. And we're not going to we're not going to normalize. And we can. But the good part now is that so many more people have that feeling now, too. Yeah, It's just going to continue to grow. So I guess that's what I got was like a was like a joyful resistance. That's what I got out of punk rock. And that's what i want to continue forever so absolutely
2: and that show was such a reminder that like this has always been our way of life you know like coming together and celebrating resistance and you know just the world that we must create together right and and you know like martin said just like not despairing yeah that was really powerful it was ina's first punk show yeah
1: Uh, (laughs) they (laughs) had earplugs don't worry oh yeah huge
2: earphone (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, thanks again for sharing all of the work that you're doing. And I think that's also part of, um, especially, you know, with the election of 45, like even more so, you know, again, it's like having more of a, um, uh, I don't know if motivation is the right word, but like to, to do more community building and that, you know, we're not alone and t- together we can, um, make, we can make, you know, large kinds of changes and impacts in, with our social movements. And it does all start, and I love like the name of the zine or, it, or I don't know if you're going to have another one, but small because, you know, at how, it's like they say, the revolution starts at home. And it really does because um, our relationships with our kids and how much we can impact them through our parenting with these kinds of um, like social justice kinds of values, you know, and so, And, but then I love the idea of like how it's multi-generational because as you both mentioned, the women in our lives or like our, um, our elders have also, uh, and it's usually the women who have done it all, have always done things in this kind of way. And, um, but it's just, um, so we're drawing on them and then having that multi-generational, um, kind of impact with our own children, you know? So I really love that. And, um, before we close out, you know, actually, I had an idea, Michelle. Maybe we can do, I thought it would be kind of fun. We have four Chicana Moms. Can we do Chicana Mom wins and fails? Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be a fun way to close out.
0: That is a fun way to close out. Jeez. I haven't had a chance to think about this, though. Do you have any wins and fails as a mama? Or either or. They don't have to be both. Oh, I can tell you about my fail. <laughs> you <Okay>. start there, because <laughs> I've got a whole list. <laughs> well, it was, um, I sh- you know, the semester's over, so I teach at the university, and so things are a lot less stressful, but for whatever reason, things have been feeling a little bit overwhelming lately. So as a mom, we carry that, right? Like we, you know, sometimes things get really over- overwhelming. And so I find that I keep my cool um, with adults and sometimes I don't do it with my daughter. And so this is like, um, I'm going to start crying. <clears throat> and so it's it's so silly. My daughter loves slime. <laughs> so Sissy knows about this story because I think I came to her and was like, rah! <laughs> my daughter loves slime. And it's amazing. She loves slime. She loves to make a mess. She loves the idea of chemistry, of putting things together, of, you know, making a mess, creating something new out of something that was something different, you know, before. And so, but um, slime is really messy. And if it comes out, if the batch doesn't come out completely perfect, it's really sticky. And so one evening I needed a little break and I was trying to get out of the house to actually go meet (laughs) Sessie. And my daughter walks out of the room with a bad batch of slime And it's dripping down her arms and it's dripping all over the floor. And I I come I just lost it. I'm like, you're never making slime again. (laughs) It was so bad. And I'm like cleaning it. I mean, to the point when I showed up to meet Sessie, I had slime on my jacket (laughs) because that's how bad it was. Anyways, I eventually, of course, said I totally overreacted I'm really sorry you know um and so now it's the story that we tell people like this since then she's like yeah and she said I couldn't make slime anymore (laughs) and everybody laughs you know so it's fine I hope I haven't traumatized her but that's my fail (laughs) losing it um
2: I thought of I thought of a fail that turned into a win so that's good right so um Ines is two and a half and she's in her you know like I'm not a baby I'm a big girl phase um, and so she has, you know, successfully slept on her own in a crib um, since she was pretty little. It was, you know, before she was one that she started sleeping in a, in a crib in her own room. Um, and the other night, I was putting her to bed in her crib, and she insisted on sleeping on the big bed. There's a futon in her room. Um, it's just where we read, and she wanted to sleep on the big bed and. I didn't want her to sleep there because the night before I had let her sleep there and she woke up in the middle of the night crying, saying she wanted to go in her crib. So I, you know, I couldn't reason with her about this. So I just, no, no, you have to sleep in your crib tonight. And she's just screaming and crying. She was very upset. She wouldn't lie down in her crib. And so, man, so I said, you can't sleep in that big bed because there's monsters in there. (laughs) She immediately, she immediately stopped crying. She lay down in her bed and you could see her little eyes like looking over at the big bed. Right. And so by this time, you know, my partner was also in the room and he was like, oh, man, like now she thinks, you know, like she's not safe in the room because there's monsters in the bed. So he came in and did some damage control, was like, oh, mom was just kidding. You know, there's no such thing as monsters. That's not real. That's not real. Um, So long story short, she has um, this little storybook that's about this little cute baby monster that's born into a family of, you know, two, you know, ugly, terrifying monsters um, and is totally the little cute monster is totally ostracized because it's like cute and not scary. Um, And but the cute little monster, you know, disarms people by kissing them, not by scaring them. And so. We, you know, we talk about that baby monster. And now every morning when I asked her, what did you dream about last night? She said, I dreamt about that cute baby monster (laughs) kissing me. And so now she'll talk about monsters like they're like cool, cute, you know, imaginary friends. So hopefully that was sort of a lesson for me (laughs) being really careful about, you know, what I what I say to her, you know, because she's going to
1: remember everything. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Funny. Would we do so win and then fail? Can I do both? Either or both. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: Win would be so. I was talking earlier about punk rock being related to inclusiveness and all the misfits and the weirdos and the freaks taking care of each other. Um, and so my daughter, I were constantly talking about that kind of stuff. And I mentioned earlier that she was like, "Mommy, I stick up for people. I stick up for everybody," which I really was proud of. One day, um, she was talking about a little girl in her class that someone had said had a disability. um, And she forgot what that word was, but she was just really into being supportive of this little girl. And she was like, Mommy, she's great because she has a possibility. I was all, yes, that's awesome. I didn't even correct her. The fail I shared with Michelle the other night after she showed me the slime on her jacket. I was like, at least you didn't do this, which was... When Anais was two, I was so frustrated and I didn't know what to do. And obviously, I would not lay a hand on her or hit her with the brush or the the um, chancla, chancla, which actually did happen to us when we were kids. (laughs) Um, I was like, no, obviously I'm not going to do that, but I was just so frustrated and I ran into the bathroom, shut the door, and slapped my own face (laughs) like three times. (laughs) Just (laughs) thought, Yeah, so that was my fail. That was totally my fail. At
0: least it was like five years ago, (laughs) Sassy. That's true,
1: that's true. Um, I have when but this
3: happened uh, a couple years ago. I think Anzitou was like three or four, but I don't know. I've said this story a lot, but I like it. (laughs) It's, um, I think, I don't know. I was just like, "Aloncito, say this word. Aloncito, say that word. And, um, whatever. We were just like having fun at home one day. And I was like, "Aloncito, say Chicano. And then he's like, chingado. (laughs) And I was like, oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, should I be mad or... (laughs) Kind of the same thing, you know? really and I'm cute. like, oh, yeah. I'm like, uh, maybe I should cuss less. But this is how I cuss all the time, and he's always like, but now he's like, bad word, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's really awesome. cute. But, um, but yeah, so that was funny. Um, I'm like, yeah, it's Chicano studies, chingado studies, <laughs> it makes sense. Um, so I think. Yeah, we're going to um, wrap up. So thank you again for our two guests about Chicana Punk Moms. Um, thank you for sharing your time and space with us and your home and coffee.
0: <laughs>
3: so, um, and we're here and we're recording in Oceanside. So it's a really beautiful day, summer day. Um, and yeah, so thank you for joining us in Chicana Motherwork. And we're going to um, have a post on the blog about the music or, you know, anything else. Or you mentioned transcribing. Um, so watch out for that soon on the blog, and we will hear from you next
2: time. Thank you again.
0: Thanks, Essie. Yeah. Thanks, Tori. Thank you for Thank having you. us.
2: Thanks for doing the work you do. Yes.